Everybody say with me, lighten the load. Would you say that? Come on, let's say it one more time. Lighten the load. In all of our lives, we have this process that we start off in life. The Bible says that you came into this world without anything, and you're going to be leaving this world the same way. But how many of you know in that 60, 70, 80 years, maybe 90 that you get, that you have a tendency to pick up a whole lot of stuff, right? And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about lightening the load. How do we go about lightening the load in our faith as well as how do we go about lightening the load in every aspect of our family? And then this morning, we want to talk about lightening the load in your finances. Now, I don't know if you've noticed on the stage this morning, but there's a couple of things up here that aren't normally up here. Anybody pick that up yet? Those of you watching, you pick that up yet? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of always in betwixt and between. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who always sees it and wants it. Anybody else like me? Come on, fess up at church. I, I, I mean, my, my deal is I, I just think God loves me so much he wants me to have the best. And I keep trying to convince Sherry of that, and some days I win, and some days she wins. Uh, and, and so we're, we're always struggling. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the whole process of the calculator and the computer and sitting there and going through the bills and, and, and all the things, and, and then, then you see it. You know, it's, it's just the one. It's the thing that you've had your eye on for however long, and all of a sudden they tell you now with just $99 down, And $99 a month for the next 128 years, you, <laughs> right, you too can be the proud owner of, if it's a Harley or whatever it is. And so uh, in our lives, we kind of struggle with that. And, and so this morning, I, I want to help us, I want to this morning uh, kind of help us to reset priorities and reset our life a little bit. So would you take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, and as you're turning there, let me greet those who are joining us at our campuses this morning. We welcome you today. We're glad you're with us, and we pray today that the power of God and the presence of God is going to minister there, and as you hear the Word of God, God's going to touch you, He's going to strengthen you, and He's going to empower you as well as He is us who are here. The book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning in the 10th verse, says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 11. Now, let me, let me set this up. The Apostle Paul is in jail when he's writing this, so just keep that in mind. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, and that doesn't mean in Tennessee or Florida or Kentucky or Missouri, for whatever state I am to be content, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. The, the Apostle Paul here, is, as he is writing to us, is, is coming from a, what we would call a desperate place. I mean, it's, it's not a place that's fun. He's in prison. He's in prison not really for anything that he's done that's so horrible. All he's done is preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet they've placed him in prison. 
And the Word of God says that while he is there, he, he begins to write to the church at Philippi. They had sent him an offering, and he begins to write to them, and he, he begins to help them to reset their priorities. Now, how many of you have ever bought uh, maybe a piece of uh, appliance or something, and it quit working, and there was something wrong with it, and you called up the service department? Anybody ever ever had that? The other day, my cell phone, the, the, I went out of, out of the country, and when I came back, my uh, voicemail quit working which I enjoyed actually for about two months. I kept meaning to get, get it fixed, but it was just so convenient that nobody could get me when I didn't want them to that I kept forgetting to get it. Finally, I, I called, and, and um, I, I called this gal, and her name was, you know, Betty or whatever, but she wasn't Betty. She was in India or somewhere. And, and so for the next 25 minutes, I, I was walked through this process. And at one point, she said, now, here's what we're going to do, Mr. Couples. You are going to turn your phone off, and I am going to reset all your original settings. I said, that's pretty cool. How can you be in India and take care of me in America with my phone in my house? And, you know, but she did. And, and all of a sudden, when she got through, uh, I was able to have voicemail all over again, and so if you call me, now you can leave me a message, all right? And, and so the process is that there's, you know, there's a button to reset it to bring it back. Today, what I want to do is I want to help you to reset your life into the priorities that God has placed there so you can kind of get rid of the burdens of, of all this credit society in which we live. Um, I'm going to say some things today that you may not like, uh, but please just listen between the lines a little bit. America has come to the point that literally we are driven by greed. Now, you don't have to like what I'm going to say, but you have to admit I'm telling the truth. Now, I am not a, I am not a communist. I'm not a socialist. I believe in the capitalistic uh, society that we have built. But I also believe that we have come to the place where we are spending more time in consuming than we are really understanding what is it that I need compared to what is it that I want. Do you realize that the majority of the world exists on less than $2 per person per day? 10,000 children die every day from starvation. You say, Pastor, why would you say that? Because I want you to reset. I want you to quit complaining that you don't have. Isn't it interesting, in probably the richest country in the world, we are the ones who live with our nose to the grindstone all the time, and we don't live in the blessing and in the abundance that God has because we are constantly desiring things which we don't need. Now, don't, let me just set you at ease, all right? Everybody just, I want to I get you relaxed because I can tell you're really getting tense. I don't think God minds for you to be blessed. I don't think God minds for you to have a Harley if you can afford a Harley or a BMW if you can afford a bit, whatever. God is not upset with you in that. What, what the difference is, is that God does not mind you having things, but God does mind when things have you. 
And so if we can come to that place of understanding what the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to give you four keys this morning to put into your life in this reset process this morning. Uh, And as we kind of go through them, I I want you to get some things in your spirit. I want to help us this morning uh, to lighten the load a little bit. Look in verse 10 and 11. Let me read that to you again because I think we need to hear it. He said, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care. He said it wasn't because you didn't care. He said you just lacked opportunity. But verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. The first key this morning is this. You've got to learn to be inwardly independent. Now, now get that this morning. Understand what, what I mean about being inwardly independent. The Apostle Paul is writing here. He is sitting in a jail cell. He, he's in a horrible place. I don't know how many of you have ever been to a prison. Now, I don't mean to stay. But you've ever visited. I, I have never walked into a prison uh, to visit somebody or to minister in a prison where, where all the guys are just walking around going, man, I am abounding in here. It just doesn't happen. You walk into a prison, and man, it, you know, I can't wait till I get out of here. I'm counting the days. And, and yet the Apostle Paul said, hey, I've, I've found that even in prison, I can abound. Why? Because the Apostle Paul was inwardly independent. He understood that his contentment did not come from his circumstances. Do, do you realize that in all of God's creation, that you are created, the Bible says, in his image and in his likeness. Now, what that means is this, is that all the other part of God's creation reacts on instinct. You cognitively desire things. Now, that's good, but it's also bad. How many of you know that, that before a salmon begins to swim upstream uh, to lay its eggs to die, that nobody sits it down and says, okay, I am going to explain to you the process of swimming upstream so there can be more salmon next year. Right? I mean, why, why do they do that? It's just instinct. It's just, you, you know, the, uh, the swallows go back to Capistrano every year in California. The, these things just happen. I, I mean, can, can you imagine, how many of you have ever seen geese flying south? How many of you are alive? Just checking. And, and how many of you know that, that you know, a, a goose that's in New York or Michigan does not gather sister goose around and all the little gooses and say now here's what I've been thinking I've been thinking that this year we ought to winter in Florida I've just been thinking about it and you know it really gets cold in New York and 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 it's it's really I I just really I just really am tired of these New York winters and so what we're going to do this year is we're packing up the wagon and we are going to Florida you know that doesn't happen don't you you know that they just wake up one morning and for whatever reason, instinct sends them south until the weather has changed and then they turn around and they go back north. But you, human beings, have been given this ability to think of what we want. And our problem is is that we have allowed our thinking to overshadow what God wants in our life. And so because of all the advertisements and because of all the things that we see, we, we live life constantly wanting and not ever coming to the place where we are independently 
and inwardly independent, where we just live life and say, you know what? I don't have to have every new gadget that comes out. Amen. Some of you are looking up here and you say, yeah, you just got an iPad. I got an iPad because they made me get an iPad. We had consultants in. They said, you got you to start preaching out of my, and they went through all this thing. I, I, I'm not, I am not a techie in the least, okay? Um, and, and so it's, it's not about uh, getting, getting this and getting that and getting the other. What we've got to come to is, is like the Apostle Paul, is that we don't live under the pressure of the circumstances. Have you ever noticed how many people buy stuff to impress people they don't even like? So-and-so gets a new whatever, and then you have to get a new whatever, and you don't even like them. But just because, and, and have you ever noticed, uh, you, you do understand that Madison Avenue runs on greed. The whole advertising industry. Right? I, I mean, you, you, get a, you get a car. You get the car that you have wanted for the last 10 years, and you get it, and I promise they'll come out with one better. Immediately, it's there, and you go, oh, man, if I just had seen that one. And, and the problem is, is that we live like that. I, I, I remember for years and years, if, if you wore uh, Ralph Lauren polo uh, attire, uh, that you had a little pony, you know, right here. And so everybody, oh, they, they Then all of a sudden, the pony grew. Have y'all noticed that? I mean, I've got some now, and the horse is as big, you know, it, it starts here and goes all the way to my waist. It's, all right, not quite, but that, that, that bad boy has grown. And so now, now I'm confused. I don't know whether to wear the big, big horse or the little. I don't know which one's in and which one's out. And I got both in my closet. And so I'm standing there going, okay, big horse, little horse. Which? I mean, I think the big one I could ride to work. You know, it's, it's. And so, you know, we, we constantly live in, in, in this pressure of, of what can I afford uh, what does the budget say? But man, oh man, wouldn't I look good on that? Or wouldn't I look good in that? And, and so we constantly are focused on that. And yet the Apostle Paul said, you know what? I've learned that whatever state I'm in, I'm going to be content. The, the second thing that the Apostle Paul said, let's, let's continue there. Look in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The second thing you've got to understand this morning is this. The second key is you've got to know your source. All right? Man is not your source. The bank is not your source. Wall Street is not your source. God is your source. The Apostle Paul said, I can do all things. We love to quote that when we're in the midst of a battle, in the midst of struggle. But I want to tell you, he is writing here not about fighting, you know, the enemy. He is writing here about finances and, and living life and, and contentment. And he says, I have learned with all things I can be more than a conqueror. I can live the way God wants me to, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, we, we quote it, we say it how many times. The Lord is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. And yet we constantly are reaching and grabbing and trying to pull in. And yet we don't understand. Listen, when I get into financial trouble, I don't need to run to the banker first. I don't need to run to the savings and loan. I need to run to Jesus. If I really understood that he was my source, I wonder before I bought something, if I would ask him. 
have you ever wanted to buy something on something large hopefully i hope this wasn't you know you wanted to go dress shopping or you know needed a new shotgun or golf clubs and before you you got the price and you had to go to the bank maybe you're getting ready to buy a house and you had to go to the bank and 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 the banker looked at you and said uh, I just really don't see any way that you can financially afford this. And you walked out of there all upset and depressed. And yet it may have been the greatest thing that somebody could have done for you was to tell you you couldn't afford it. In fact, a lot of the mess that we're in in our country right now, and don't get mad at me, is because we bought things we couldn't afford instead of understanding what we could afford and living within our means. Don't amen me so much because pastor's doing such good preaching right there. And so what we've got to come to is that place of, of saying, Lord, I, I want to depend on you. And so when I come to a point of especially a major purchase or a major thing in my life, instead of me just deciding I like that color, I like this, Lord, let me come to you and let me know that you are my source and let me ask you, Lord, is this something I should do? I can tell that's a revolutionary thought this morning. In some of our lives, we're not really understanding that today, but, but I, I want you to see it, and I want you to get it. Look in verse 14. He said, Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. The third thing this morning is this. The Apostle Paul is writing here to this church, and he said, listen, when you got to the place that you could, he said, you didn't just share with me when you were in good times. He said, you shared with me even when it was a sacrifice to you. The third thing in resetting our priorities and living lighter in this thing of our finances is we need to learn to share what we have. If I had received every offering that people told me they were going to give me since I've been a, I've been a pastor there would be no financial need in this house I'll have people come to me uh, through the years not not here this was other churches I've been at and pastored and they would come to me pastor I want to tell you I sent off my publisher's clearinghouse and as soon as I win that, you know, back in the day, Ed McMahon was supposed to come to the door. I hope he doesn't come to my door right now. But as soon as he shows, I promise you, Pastor, I'm going to pay the church off. I've had houses given to me I still don't have. I've had all kind of stuff promised. I'm, I'm going to, as soon as, listen, what about just starting where we're at the apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi said listen out of your need you shared with me it wasn't because you were rich in fact if you study the Philippian church they were very poor he said it wasn't because you had great monetary wealth he said you just shared with me right where you were 
wonder what would happen to us if we would learn to share what we have. Not long ago, the first time actually we went back to Kenya uh, was was really a, a, a tough time of, for me. I had not been there since I was 14 years of age. My father was killed in Kenya in a car accident, so it was, it was traumatic in ways that I didn't realize. Uh, but on the last day there, I, I was looking around at everybody, and, and I had my suitcases packed, and I literally left everything, even the suitcases, I left everything I had. Got on the plane with the clothes on my back, flew to New York, was spending a couple of days in New York. I had to go buy clothes because I'd given away everything I had. Why? Because as I looked at those people who had nothing, and I have how many pair of pants, how many shirts, how many suits, all the things that I had in my closet, I thought, how can I take this on? What is this going to matter in my life? I wonder what would happen to us. You know, the past few weekends, I've I've driven through neighborhoods and and seen a lot of yard sales. If you've had one, God bless you. I wonder what would happen, though, if the next time we get our excess that we don't need, instead of having a yard sale to give us more money to buy more stuff that we don't need, What if we found a homeless shelter? What if we found a place that assists people in that part of life? Would it not mean more to you to give somebody a whole set of clothes than it would be for you to make another $5 at another yard sale? Just a thought. But I want to tell you, We need to learn to share what we have. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Let me give you the fourth one. He continues there in Scripture, verse 18. He says, indeed, I have all and abound. And and that Scripture just messes with me. He's sitting in prison. It's a horrible place. He's going to die before long. And yet he says, I have all and abound. I'm not there yet. I'll just be honest with you. I haven't reached this place, but I hope someday to get there. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And now watch, we love to quote this, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Watch, that 19th verse says, and my God shall supply all my needs according to to his riches and glory. We love to quote that, but what we don't do is put it in context. The context is God is going to supply their needs because they have shared what they had. See, the fourth and final key in this resetting of our priorities and lightening the load is that we need to learn to live to please God. Not to please us. Not, to, not, not just because it's the latest, the newest, and the shiniest. But because we have decided, you know what? We want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to live life. Now, I, listen, I understand that this really goes against the grain to preach this kind of sermon. 
know, we want to sing, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. And then pastor comes along and says, you need to share, you need to, you need to sow, you need to be content, you need to learn. But it, it's the word of God. And understand, I don't believe that God is upset when we're blessed. I don't believe that God is, is, gets upset at us when, when we have nice, th that is not the problem. The problem is when we live life so self-centered that we never, ever come to a place of contentment. They tell a story. I don't know how true it is, but I've read it so many times, I'm going to tell it. That'd be all right. You know, it, you hear statistics given all the time, and I'll probably give some as I close this sermon today. And, and I read recently that, that they said somewhere over 70% of statistics are made up on the spot. But I've, I've read time and time again that in, in some Asian countries that if they, want to, if they want to catch a monkey, what they will do is, is that they will put something shiny and sparkly into a jar that has a small mouth on it. And then that that monkey will reach inside to get the sparkly thing. It will get it into its hand, and then it can't get its hand out, and the jar is solidified where it won't move. And so if the monkey would let go, it could pull its hand out. But because it is a monkey... It does not understand that, and so it holds on tightly and then is caught by the hunter who is out to get it. I wonder how often we act like the monkey. I wonder how often we stick our hand into something because we desire it so much, and then we get in there and we're stuck. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I don't really need that. recently saw, here we go to statistics, I recently saw that one out of five American households owe over $20,000 in credit card debt. One out of every two families in America surveyed recently said if they missed two paychecks, their financial future would be ruined. Now we live in the country that has been so blessed of God, and yet even in the church, we have allowed the system of the world to rule us. I have people all the time say, Pastor, I want to give to this need, or I, I want to pay my tithes, or I want to do whatever, but Pastor, I am in such financial need that I can't even be faithful in those areas. I have it happen all the time. Why? Because we allow ourselves to be pulled in to the sparklies of the world. And let me just tell you something. Whatever it is you get, it will rust. It will break down. Somebody will dent it. Somebody will run into it. Just mark it down. You know, talking about Harleys, they say, you know, there's only two kind of Harley riders, one that's been on the pavement and one that's going to be on the pavement. You know, you, you're going to lay it down someday. I've, I've laid them down before. I understand that. And, and what we have to come to the point of is this, is that whatever I am able to have in my life, thank God for it. Thank God for it. But you know what? I don't want to come to the place that I am so tight-fisted that if God shows up and he wants it, he can't have it. 
I wonder what it is this morning. I, I, was, I was praying about this in preparation for this day. And, and I, I began, Lord, what, what is it in my life that you would want, that you would desire that I'm holding on to? What, what is it? Because I don't want to hold on to anything. You know what I found? I found that the scripture really is true that says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And here's what I will tell you. The reason that I know that that is true is because every time I've done it, God always blessed me more than whatever it was that I released. I've had different ones of you come to me in just the past few weeks. And some of you have sewn in to some missions projects. Some of you said you're going to step up and start tithing. You've come to me. I've had different ones of you come to me and say, Pastor, let me share with you what God has done in my life. And, and, and people who, who gave to missions within two and three days came to me and said, Pastor, you won't believe that amount that I gave to missions. God has not only brought that amount back, but he has multiplied it greatly back into my life. Why? Because God is never going to be a debtor to anybody. And so the Apostle Paul understood something. Even in the midst of a jail cell, he said, I've learned contentment. I've pressed the reset button of life, and I am not allowing the stuff of life to continue to hold me any longer. Today, right now, I wonder in your life, is there anything that's got a hold of you that you can't let go of? Here's my challenge to you. To those of you watching, to those of you here, here's my challenge. Let it go. Open your hands. Open your hearts. Open your spirit. And say, Lord, I don't want anything to keep me burdened down. I found through my life that there are times God shows up and he says, I want this. And I go, God, you sure you want that? I'll give you this, but not that. He says, no, I want this. And I found out that in obedience, God always brings blessing. There are some of you here today, and I close, there are some of you here today that God's just showing up on this day and he's just coming into your life and he's saying, do you love me? Oh, Lord, I love you. And he says, do you love me more than all this stuff? And when we get to that place, then we can dwell in contentment. Whatever God gives, he gives it to us to hold it as a steward. That we say, Lord, it's all yours. Everything I've got. My life, my family, my homes, my cars, everything I've got is yours. And today, I want you to know that you are 